from API. This is Energy Tomorrow Radio, your source for information and conversation about the most important energy issues of the day. Welcome to Energy Tomorrow Radio. I'm Jane Van Ryan. Last week, I had the pleasure of attending the Association for the Study of Peak Oil and Gas National Conference in Washington, where professors, geologists, economists, physicists, and others gathered to discuss the possible repercussions of the world's reliance on oil and other fossil fuels. One of the speakers, Dave Murphy, a graduate student from the State University of New York, presented a paper about oil and its relationship to the U.S. economy. Dave is on the telephone with us today to explain his findings. Hello, Dave. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jane. Dave, now before we begin, I need to make it clear to our listeners that your views do not represent those of API, and your conclusions are those of you and Dr. Charles Hall, who co-authored the paper with you. I also want to mention that you're a contributor to the Oil Drum, which is a very well-respected blog that deals with the issue of peak oil. Now, before we get started, can you provide a brief explanation of peak oil to our listeners? Sure. Peak oil is a concept that's been around for a long time, since uh, about 1956, when M. K. Hubbard first published a paper on the topic. See, in, in very basic terms, it just it, it just says that for any non-renewable resource like oil, coal, or natural gas, uh, production is going to begin at zero, end at zero, and at some point reach a maximum. It's really about flow rate. So uh, the idea of peak oil is that at some point uh, on Earth, we will be producing the maximum amount of oil per day that we ever will. Um, a lot of the times, the, uh, the message of peak oil gets muddled, and, 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 and the focus is driven on when the actual peak is, the specific date, um, when that's really not what uh, the peak oil movement, if it is a movement, is really about. It's just about measuring when, in general, oil production will reach a maximum, not necessarily a specific day. But um, that's, that's the basic gist of it. Good. And, Dave, I know that some people associate the reducing flow of oil to geology, but then there are others who associate it with EROI, which means energy return on investment. Can you tell our viewers what that means? Yeah, energy return on investment is it's actually quite similar to its economic analog, and that would be return on investment. The, the idea is that you have a cost of getting a resource, and uh, hopefully you, you input that cost and you get uh, some oil out. So uh, if you Currently, you, know, you want to drill for oil in deep water. You have to build a rig. You put the rig out there, and you poke a hole in the ground uh, below the ocean floor, and you get oil out. So energy return on investment is a division. It, uh, simply, it's the energy produced from uh, an, an energy extraction process divided by that energy you put in. And we add up the energy cost of building the rig, the diesel fuel used on a rig. And wh what you get is a ratio of energy out divided by ener energy in. And uh, that number is essentially a, a measure of quality. It's, it's an efficiency calculation, but it, but it can be kind of taken to understand. You can understand it as a measure of extraction uh, and, uh, and how difficult that extraction process is. So historically, if you go back to East Texas and a lot of the big oil fields in the United States, the energy return on investment was very, very high. Had, Mainly wooden derricks or, or even metal derricks, whatever, just had, you know, very, very small oil derricks, um, but pretty shallow wells, not a lot of labor, and you produced a lot of oil. Oil basically came spewing out of these things. Uh, today it's obviously a much more complicated industry. Uh, deep water platforms cost billions of dollars, 
and uh, the wells are much deeper. So the energy, uh, the energy input has, has grown a lot. So in, in general, um, energy return on investment is this measure of, of extraction quality and how that changes over time. Very good. Now let's turn to your paper, because your paper asks a critically important question. Whether a return to a growing economy is possible in light of concerns about peak oil, this dwindling supply of oil. Now one of your findings was that affordable energy affordable being the key word here is very important to the economy can you explain that yeah yeah sure what we did was we looked at the economy over the past 40 years and essentially well actually before I get into that, I should qualify when I talk to you about a growing economy I'm specifically talking about growing GDP and that is the the usual uh, most most popular measure of of the economy today so I'm really talking about growing GDP you know two three four percent per year over the long term so is a, uh, we ask the question, can we physically return to that? So the first thing in doing that, first part of doing that research, we look to see uh, the causality between energy and, and economic growth. And in doing so, we really found that oil is primarily the driver of economic growth. We live in the, the age of oil. It is the most important energy resource for the economy currently. And, uh, and we looked at the two things. Essentially, we looked at the supply of oil, and we looked at the price of oil. And what our research shows is essentially it's not just oil per se that is important for economic growth, but that oil has to be provided at a cheap cost. Now, I'm talking about oil. Obviously, coal and natural gas are important as well. Um, so energy in general has to be uh, affordable for economic growth. Uh, specifically, we looked at, we looked at uh, the last 40 years. So that would be from about 1970 through through today. And there, I mean, there's a whole bunch of you know different different figures I could go over right now uh, through the, on the radio here with you. But but most importantly, every every major recession that would be 1973, 1980, uh, 1980, and the 2008 recession was preceded by a spike in the price of oil. Uh, each one of them. And uh, granted, the first two were, were caused by geopolitical events, uh, but a spike in the price of oil nonetheless. And essentially what happens is as the, the price of oil increases, the cost of pretty much everything in the economy goes up because oil is so ubiquitous. It's, it's used to make plastics, pharmaceuticals, uh, you know, you name it, and oil is involved in the manufacturing sector, industrial sector, transportation. Uh, and what that causes is uh, essentially people stop spending as much money because they don't have it. Uh, oil prices go up, dis, uh, you know, discretionary income essentially goes down, people stop spending the economy, and that inhibits economic growth, uh, and, and recessions essentially ensue from that. And that's the big finding from our research. Are you interested in any more details? How does that sound? Of course. No, that's wonderful. Uh, but I think this goes back to an earlier statement you made, which is that many people believe that the easy oil has all been found and that the remaining oil is going to cost more to produce. Now, what does that mean for the economy based on your research? Yeah, it's essentially, this, this is one of the conclusions we came to is that I have a graph where EROI is on, on the y-axis versus, or price is on the y-axis and EROI is on the x-axis. Essentially what it shows is that, what it's showing is that the low EROI resources cost, cost less money to produce. That's fairly obvious, right? So you can think of today's production of oil in Saudi Arabia as being the example of the low cost case, right? They're producing from one of the biggest fields in the world, the Gawar field. And, and the investment's fairly low when you compare that to deep water or when you compare that to oil sand production, for instance, where, they, where the upfront investments and the operational costs themselves are very high. 
what that means is that the, the corresponding price needed to extract those resources is going to be high as well. You're not going to, you know, if oil prices are $15 a barrel, you're not going to be able to, to extract. It's going to be unprofitable, essentially, to extract oil from the, tar, from the tar sands. You know, it's just simple economics. What our research shows is that the places that we're finding oil uh, most recently, in, in 2005, over 50% of the oil that was found in the world was discovered in ultra-deep water areas. Uh, and these are areas that cost a lot of money. And the, price, the, the, the cost, we have, we have a couple estimates um, of, of cost of production of oil in these areas. And the price needed to maintain production from these areas is indicative of the average price of oil during recessionary times during the last 40 years. And that's, that is around $60 a barrel. I think it was $58 a barrel. If you look at expansionary periods, if you average the expansionary period, uh, the price of oil over every expansionary period from 1970 through 2008, the price of oil is uh, roughly $37 per barrel. That's inflation adjusted. Uh, so you can see that $37 a barrel is well, it's much cheaper than today's oil price, first of all, and it's a lot cheaper than the cost of production in the areas that we're finding oil, uh, which is above 60. You know, some of the estimates for oil sand production are up around $80 a barrel. So. Clearly, where oil production is trending in the future is in a higher price environment. Um, so and that was that's what basically what we found. And oil prices are hovering around eighty-three dollars per barrel today. So, so how would you describe the situation that we're in right now? Yeah, tenuous is how I would put it. <laughs> well, at the ASPO conference, you also said that this recession, the one that we've just been through, and that some experts are saying we're now climbing out of is quite different than previous recessions because the energy return on investment is low. And you're indicating that with what you're saying about prices. So if I were to ask you how that's likely to affect economic growth, what would you say? Uh, I would say it's, it's going to be tough. I feel com more comfortable saying this. I, I find it very hard to believe that we're going to have economic growth like we've had over the past 40 years for the next 40 years. Because there's this kind of perfect storm in this last recession of, of, of reaching, uh, you know, maybe we've reached peak oil, but it, nonetheless, I think it certainly was the case that we were in a constrained oil environment for four years from 2004 through 2008. Whether or not the peak occurred, we don't, you know, let's, let's forget about that question. Let's just think of whether or not the oil, oil production was constrained, meaning that demand was outstripping supply. And if you look at the numbers, that was clearly the case from 2004 through 2008. So there's this, there's, there's, so there's this, this idea that the oil supply is constrained out there. So then let's look at, can we produce more oil? And, and, and yeah, we're producing more oil, but it's from these high cost areas. So the idea is that even if we can increase physical supply, it's going to be, it's going to necessitate a really high price. And, um, I just, uh, you know, I, I think that means that this is a, you know, a unique situation from the last recessions and, uh, the next, the next, the outlook for long-term growth in the future has got to be at least a different in some way from the past four years. I just don't see us being able to continue on the same path. Well, then what does that make you think about what the administration and Congress are considering? You know, they've been looking at policies that would raise the cost of energy through taxes or environmental regulations. How could that impact the economy? Well, it's, it's pretty clear. I mean, you have to – there's two ways to look at the situation. The first one is from an object, objective standpoint, and, and that is that higher energy prices have, have led – or specifically oil, that is – have led to recessions in the past. And there's no reason to, to think that we can pull out of the current recession if we, you know, if we taxed oil so that its price was up above $100 a barrel or something like that. 
I mean, high oil prices do inhibit economic growth. The, the, other, the other side of the coin is whether or not there are larger concerns of climate change or anything else. And, and, and if, if the powers that be deem those to be more important than economic growth in the short, near, or long term, then maybe the taxes are warranted. You know, who, who's, who's, I'm not one to make a decision on that. But I, I, would, I would probably go another way and say, you know, maybe we just need to start looking at a different metric of economic performance. Uh, GDP is a measure of production within the economy. It's not a measure of, uh, of human well-being. And um, if we can somehow get it through that we shouldn't, we don't necessarily need to pursue economic growth every year, maybe we can, um, you know, have the best of both worlds and not have to, uh, you know, necessarily overtax any certain industries. That's an interesting observation. Let me ask you one final question, if I might, Dave. You know, there are some observers that say that higher costs are necessary to pave the way towards new forms of energy. Based on your research, substituting from one form of energy to another does take time. Can you tell our listeners how long you think that takes? Uh, it, it's, on, it's, it's on decades. We're talking about primary energy sources here. Uh, there's, been, there's been research done by, by Marchetti, I think is the name. Maybe it's pronounced Marchetti. I don't know, in 1977. And essentially... What he looked at was uh, substitution amongst different forms of energy, of primary energy, and that is what, whatever the primary energy source for the economy of the time was. And this is, you know, over centuries time scale, so from wood to coal, from coal to oil, from oil to, I guess we're still there, but maybe natural gas and, and nuclear as well. And, and essentially what he found was that it's decades, if not, you know, 50 or 100 years to, to substitute for a primary energy source. And, that, and that's because especially if you think of today's economy, I mentioned this earlier, and how ubiquitous oil use is in our economy, having to substitute out the infrastructure for for our oil economy will take decades. There's no no question about that. The Hearst Report in 2005 concluded the same exact thing. Um, so, you know, it's going to take a very long period of time. Uh, and the other thing about the higher costs is that's because, in general, alternative energy sources uh, – uh, have have been higher priced than the fossil fuels. So a higher fossil fuel price will allow for more easy uh, uh, substitution more easily. Uh, but, right. but you know, I, I don't know how that's going to happen. So, um, sure, and there's the human cost there, too, in terms of jobs and affordability for American consumers. Yeah, well, you know, there's there's cost with, with doing anything. So um, a, a, absolutely. So it's going to take a long time. There's clearly no overnight solution to this. You know, I, I can't tell you exactly how long, but it's definitely on the orders of decades, that's for sure. Very interesting discussion. Dave Murphy, thank you so much for sharing your research with us today and for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio. Glad to be here, Jen. Thank you for joining us on Energy Tomorrow Radio, brought to you by the people of America's oil and natural gas industry. For more information about this podcast or to submit questions for future shows, visit energytomorrow.org. That's energytomorrow.org.